All right, let's do it, Xavier Nation. Can you believe that? 82-60, Xavier takes down Creighton in the semifinals of the Big East Tournament. Your Musketeers are Big East Championship bound. How does that sound to you? How does that sound? Load them up. Let's get the calls going right off the bat here. What did you make of this game? I want to hear your thoughts when Xavier goes into halftime with a 14-point lead. You're all thinking the same thing, right? You got to get through those first four minutes of the second half, maybe the first eight minutes of the second half, because you know the comeback is coming. You know Creighton's going to come storming back here, and Xavier's had issues with those first few minutes of the second half. It was never a problem tonight. For whatever reason, Xavier's defense was unsolvable for the Blue Jays. They couldn't get on track. Ryan Nemhard really wasn't able to do much in terms of scoring himself against the Musketeers' ball screen coverage. And, I mean, what a difference a day makes from a defensive perspective for the Musketeers. They had no answer for Umoja Gibson and DePaul last night. Tonight against Creighton, their defense was fantastic. The first half, they forced 11 turnovers. They hold DePaul, or Creighton rather, to 37% shooting, 0.7 points per possession. I mean, just an absurd defensive performance in the first half from the Musketeers. And I think at that point, you're all sitting there thinking, this is the best defensive performance the Musketeers have put forth this year. And by the end of the game, it's probably the best game Xavier's played, period. I'd like to hear where you guys come out on that. Was this the best performance Xavier has had this season? For my money, I think it was. A 22-point win over Creighton? I mean, that's just incredible, especially on the short turnaround, the back-to-back days. We've talked so much about Xavier's lack of depth and the, the concerns that come with some of these guys getting in foul trouble. They were able to avoid all of that tonight. All right, let's go ahead and get into some of these calls. Xavier 82, Creighton 60, the final from Madison Square Garden tonight. Doug, you got me? Hey, Rick. How's it going? Um, great. Hell of a game by Xavier. I agree. Best game of the season. And uh, the defensive performance was unbelievable. I, I think you get a, a big hand from Creighton there. Uh, I mean, the, Creighton turning the ball over on like 50% of their possessions in the first eight minutes of the game, that's probably not going to happen every night. Um, that's a big reason for it. But nonetheless, being able to take advantage of it and just keep hitting your uh, – the Xavier offense is going to be the same no matter what. And if an opponent is going to turn the ball over 10 times out of the first 15 or 20 possessions, to be able to take advantage of that like that is is pretty impressive. I mean, I think a lot of people felt pretty good about this team going into the postseason, Doug. But what does this game, where you beat a team like Creighton, who, for my money, is as good as any team in the conference right now, by 22 like that, where does this take your confidence from a fan perspective? It Much higher from the standpoint of just stepping back and looking at it from where – where I personally would feel a little bit anxious about Xavier when you look at like the NCAA tournament. So 
like you look at matchups, NCAA tournament is all about matchups. So you look at like, hey, what if Xavier gets a four seed and Purdue is the one? And you get into a, a Sweet 16 game against Purdue and you got seven foot four Zach Eady or whatever guarding the paint. And so you just take the paint out of the equation. How does Xavier attack that? Well, tonight you're, you're facing the same thing against Kalkbrenner and they couldn't solve it in Omaha. And they, they just missed a million of those mid-range floaters um, because they couldn't get Kalkbrenner out of the paint. They couldn't solve it. Tonight they solved it and they – they changed a lot, couple things on offense. You know, if you want to get technical, I can get technical with you. But like they, 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 they changed some things on offense in order to to, to solve the issue. And it, it, you know, all of a sudden they got forty paint points, and they're that that sort of a matchup does not worry me as much as it did two and a half hours ago. Uh, how about that? Forty points in the paint compared to just twenty four for Creighton, and that's without Zach Freeman. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I think if you would have pointed that stat or said that stat um, before the game, a lot of people would have looked at you like you were crazy, especially with some of the issues Xavier has had on the defensive glass here down the stretch of the season. Yeah, and I mean, a big part of it is they're, they're over 40% on their offensive rebound rate. So a lot of them were second-chance putbacks, which is hard to do against Colt Brenner. Colt Brenner not only is a great shot blocker, but he's a great rebounder. And the, the rest of the Creighton guys, they hit the glass. Um, so that, that's not, that's not normal. It's not like, oh, geez, you just beat some guys up on the glass who are really weak. Not that Creighton's a good defensive rebounding team. Doug, I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but I'm going to, because I know you follow this stuff so closely and we talk about it off the air too. Xavier as a four seed in the NCAA tournament. I thought that was mostly solidified coming in. But I think if you've watched the teams immediately above them, Tennessee loses to Missouri today, for instance. Yeah. Um, you've had Kansas, some. K-State yeah, lost K- yesterday. Yeah, Kansas State loses yesterday. You've had some things break your way. UConn, of course, loses. Marquette loses. Um, Marquette wins. Or, excuse me. Yeah, you have it, but you have a chance to beat Marquette in the championship. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, you're, you're now in a situation where this has played out nearly perfectly if you were hoping to make a case for a three seed. Do yeah. you think we're, we're at that point where we should start having that conversation, if nothing else, just based on what Xavier did tonight from an eye test standpoint? Well, even before I get there, though, the one thing that even before I get to is it up to a three seed, I think the chances of them – so there was a worry about them falling behind Indiana on the S-curve, right? Um, I think Indiana's still alive. I've been following the Big Ten term. I think Indiana's still alive tonight. But if, you know, Z- yeah, Indiana's got the head-to-head, I guess. But if Xavier's ahead of Indiana on the S-curve, then that increases the chances that Xavier goes to Columbus in the first two rounds, which I think a lot of people listening to this would be very interested in Xavier being two hours away rather than Orlando or Denver or wherever the heck else. So that's one. Um, but two yeah i mean the, they got a real chance of moving up to that that three line and then yeah it, that changes a lot of your what do you think about when you look ahead at second round matchups or even sweet 16 matchups um because some of the teams on the five line um are like a little bit more dangerous but then when you get down to the six line um i mean like kentucky lost tonight to vandy um and you're not going to get Creighton again. I don't think you can get Creighton in a 
in a three six again. So you're talking about like Texas A and M. You get a rematch of the NIT finals from last year, or maybe you get St. Mary's, which you know it's a, it's, that's a race to fifty five. St. Mary's is going to make that a rock fight, so it's not a great matchup for Xavier, like we've talked about in the past. Of kind of rock fight teams aren't great, but I feel a lot more comfortable about those types of matchups than I do about like Miami. Like Miami's not a great matchup for a second round game. They got a lot of really good guards coming downhill at you. Even somebody like Iowa State, not a great matchup because they they've got some good guards who can who can pull a Emoja Gibson on you. Um, I feel a lot more comfortable at the teams up on the six line. Yeah, and it's I mean it's not a shot at St. Mary's because they are a legitimately good team, but playing against guards that are more of that mid-major caliber in terms of yeah. size, athleticism, and everything bodes better for Xavier and Sule Boom in general. I, I get that they're going to slow it down, and that's not ideal for X, but I do think you'd still rather see a, a team like that in terms of their their personnel than you would a team like Iowa State or Miami, like you were mentioning. Yeah, and you got the secret weapon on the Xavier staff and uh, Sean Miller's son, who was on the St. Mary's staff last year. So I mean, that, he knows all the secrets. Great point. Call, call out every play for you. So I mean, that call that as a win right there. Yeah, great point. It's amazing how much this has changed because two days ago, you're going into the Big East tournament. You know you don't have Zach Fremantle. You're hearing about some of the other issues Xavier is facing, and you're thinking oh, you got to play against DePaul. That's a chance for a quad three loss, and you're wondering – is there the possibility that Xavier could still slip to a five seed potentially if, if things really go wrong? And now here we are sitting here two days later, and it's, if anything, we're talking about Xavier as a, a three seed moving up. And um, they're certainly cemented on that, that four seed line at worst, I think. So uh, it, it has just gone ideally for the Musketeers over the last two days. Yeah, for sure. Um, I had two other points I was going to make before I'll get out of here. One is um, is more subtle, X's nose one, but the people love talking about the zone and whether Xavier's going to play the zone or whether they can attack the zone. I think tonight was a fantastic, among many fantastic things that Xavier showed tonight. But you go into the under eight timeout, Xavier was up, I think, what, 17 points or something like that. It was just they needed to hang on, um, and McDermott needed some sort of a spark. He tosses out a 2-3 zone for the first time in the game, and Xavier just absolutely crushed it. Just five, the first five possessions, they get buckets. And yeah, the first one was a buzzer beater by by Nunji, but no less. Like they get easy buckets um, on the next four possessions, and then you go. They, they finally miss a shot on the sixth possession, and then you go into a timeout, and you never see that two three zone again. That's got a. That is for coaches and the way that coaches' minds work, and the way that they eat up any sort of uh of scouting tape that has to scare the the daylights out of any future coach who is looking at xavier film and saying hey why don't we why don't we mix in a two three zone after you see that i don't know if anybody's gonna be pulling the trigger on that one right because it's like are you just going to sacrifice five possessions in the middle of an ncaa tournament game when you're not confident in your zone potentially anyways I, i don't i agree with you i don't see many coaches wanting to do that when you saw what xavier just did and at the same time, I would argue that I still think it's a good strategy, especially if you're in a situation like Creighton was where you're not stopping Xavier anyway. Their, their flow game was two on point tonight. You're not going to be able to reel off three, four, five stops in a row like you need to to, to gain some momentum. I'm all for changing it up and just doing 
something different for the sake of doing something different. But in this case, I mean, Xavier just kept hammering him. And I mean, how demoralizing was that shot by Nunji? You switch yeah. to the zone, you have a good possession. Xavier looks confused and, and has a, a horrible offensive possession there. You take it down to the last second of the shot clock and then Nunji hits like a touch shot fadeaway from just above the free throw line. And then, like you said, you, you reel off uh, seven straight points in a matter of a few possessions there. So I, th- that shot just felt like the end of the game sort of for Creighton at that point. Yeah. And then one last point, I don't, I don't know if Jerome uh, Hunter fan club is on here, but wanted to shout out Jerome um, as I thought he, so you look at the stat line, Jerome has six points, eight rebounds, doesn't jump off the page at you. But I thought he was, he was critical tonight. I thought it was a great game by Jerome on both ends. He was great on defense. He was great playing help on defense um, and just providing a lot of support on that end. He was great down there, but he was really good on offense too. Of, yeah, he only had six points, like doesn't jump off the page. But the way that Creighton was playing their defense, they were they put Jerome, they put uh, Kalkbrenner on Jerome, and then they put um, they had um, they had their four man guarding Nunji. So basically, Kalkbrenner was going to stay in the paint, and they were going to dare Jerome Hunter to do anything on offense in order to beat them. And he did. It's like, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't shooting. He missed two threes, which I think he's going to like get called to the principal's office now for shooting two threes. But. <laughs> Um, but he was, he was great at, they just gave him the ball at the top of the key and then had a guard run around for a dribble handoff or had Jerome come up and set a screen. And it was like the same offense that DePaul was running last night where Nunji, you know, Nunji's way back in the paint and the Umojwe Gibson is hitting wide open threes. There were two or three times where, um, where Sule Boom just had wide open, absolutely naked threes. And that was because Hunter, it was because Hunter sent a great, set a great screen and Kalkbrenner was way back in the paint. And it was just, it was a smart screen, a smart play by Hunter. Doesn't show up in the stats, the stat sheet, because um, he only has six points and eight rebounds. I get that. But um, I thought it was a great kind of floor game by him and a huge kind of unsung contribution. Well, it's like what we talked about when Xavier played UConn and they used that defensive alignment against Andre Jackson, where yeah. they took his defender and just stuck him in the lane. And we talked about how that can mess with your psychology as a player. You're wide open. You're not a bad shooter. Now, in Jerome's case, it's a little bit different because he's forbidden to shoot threes. But in Andre Jackson's case, that's that's not. And he is a decent shooter. I mean, he's not a, a good shooter, but he, he, he can knock them down for certain. So it, it, it's a situation where you're wide open. This is a good shot for you. Let's take it. But then you miss one or two, and you're open every time, and it's, it's not a good offense for you to just keep shooting threes. Your, your team definitely doesn't want you taking six to ten threes and a half or something like that. So now you're just in your head. And like you said, the best way to attack that is do exactly what Jerome Hunter did. If they're not guarding you, you go immediately into dr- dribble handoffs. You create motion and you sacrifice yourself. Use yourself as a screener. If no one's guarding you, it's going to give that guard coming off the screen all types of room to operate and uh, that's exactly what Xavier was able to do with with Sule and some other guys tonight. Yeah. All right. Hopefully you got some other calls lined up here, so I'll get out of the way. Oh, I appreciate you filling some airtime for me, Doug, and your insights as always. Have a good night. All right. See ya. All right. Good stuff from Doug there. And we were talking about some of these unsung heroes, and it really felt to me like tonight was a Jerome Hunter and Desmond Claude night. I thought Desmond Claude really played well off the bench for Xavier in this one, too. He had the 11 points. He was 4 of 10 from the field, missed a pair of threes. Uh, but just overall, he played for 24 minutes with no turnovers. Defensively, he was solid. And when there were opportunities 
on the offensive end. He didn't force the issue too much, but when there were opportunities, he was aggressive and, and trying to make something happen. He also had all those steals on the defensive end where uh, you know he was just making plays in that first half. Let's go ahead and go to Jeff Warner. Jeff Warner covered Dave all year for the Associated Press. Hey, Rick, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Jeff? Good. Hey, you know, we, we've, um, and, and you've been around this team all year. Um, it's, it's in- interesting to me just talking, just talking about Sean Miller, um, how this team at, at various times during the course of the year has really, really perplexed Sean and, and his postgame comments at various times during the year, particularly defensively, but in relation to turnovers and other things that have gone on and Granted, he's had his share of injuries and illness as well. Um, but it's been interesting to me to kind of follow along the course of this season and watch how Sean has kind of man- manipulated this roster, it, particularly after it was confirmed that Zach wasn't – or when Zach was out and it was confirmed Zach wasn't coming back. And how he's continued to work – Almost as like you could see he's getting frustrated with the group, but I think he also, I think as many good coaches do, he was, he enjoyed the challenge of this team and he saw the ceiling that this team had and, and you could just see him just continuing to work to kind of push this group to achieve kind of the complete performance we saw tonight. And it's been fascinating to me to kind of watch and Particularly with you lose a guy like Zach Fremantle, and and I know there's been some attention around it, but I mean, you think about it. This is your this is your leading rebounder and your second leading scorer. You lose him, and this is um, this is a couple of games ago. I did the math where without Zach, this was nine ga- after nine games without Zach, they were scoring two points fewer they were allowing four points fewer and there were six and three without him they're now eight and three without Zach Fremantle it is it's just kind of a testament I think to to just a good coach who who just he inherited this group and and as kind of frustrated as he's gotten with them over the course of the year, particularly defensively and, tur- and turnovers. Has been, those have been the two primary issues. And now he has them in the big, the Big East championship game. It's really been interesting to watch a really good coach take a group like this, deal with everything he's dealt with, and get him to this point. I think it's a rewarding group to coach too yeah. for a couple of yeah. reasons, yeah. Jeff. One is you come in with pretty low expectations because like you said, it's not his group of players. And you had two options when you get here, Sean Miller. You can look at that roster and say, they haven't been quite good enough for multiple years, the same core group. We probably don't have enough talent to really have this roster in a place that I want to have it. But these guys seem like a good group of guys. They just made the run through the NIT together. If they want to stick around, I think it's best to keep this core group together, let them fight together, and let me get this program going in the right direction with a group of guys that it means something to. 
instead of going out and trying to find some one-year mercenaries in the transfer portal and get that talent level to exactly where he wanted it and see if you can make all that work. I think the option was, you know what? Let's stick with these guys who care a lot, who want to change their legacy at Xavier and, and stay around and fight for this thing because I really believe in them. I watch what they did in the NIT and I think they're going to be the right group in terms of their character and their attitude and their effort. And it's just a matter of us to, to get as much as we possibly can out of them. And, yeah. and maybe that's right. just the top half of the conference. Maybe that's not competing for a Big East championship when you're thinking about it in the preseason. But I think that's kind of the mentality. And to your point, the way they've just kept working and kept progressing. And sometimes there were frustrating, inexplicable moments from them. But at the end of the day, the fact that they kept building – to a point like this, I think makes it probably, I would assume, a really rewarding year for the coaching staff. I just think it, it just can't be, it can't be overstated. Again, you've lost, you are now 11 games into 11 games you've played without your second leading scorer and your leading rebounder. That, that's, and you're in the biggest championship game. Um, and, and to your point, of course, you bring in a Sule boom and he's been, you know, he's been the X factor the entire year. But just the job that Sean Miller has done with each of these guys individually and the job he did, which I think is really key now, especially with Zach out, is he over the course of the season, he systematically has stretched his bench. This wasn't a deep team to start the season. Now you've got Kiki Tandy has been out. Cam Kraft has been out. You're not going to have Fremantle. But he stretched this bench, and now he's getting contributions. You know, Desmond Claude has raised his game. Um, we knew where Jerome Hunter was. Um, Cesar Edwards is now kind of settling into a much more significant role than maybe we thought at the start of this season. Um, and it's just been, it's just been an excellent, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is it's been an excellent coaching job this season as if anyone would be surprised because I think Sean Miller has the job he's done over the course of his career speaks for itself. Yeah. But, no. um, he, he's done a great job. Know, I, I, I do want to make yeah. a point though, about the depth that you're talking about. I think one thing that's kind of overlooked is Sean kind of previewed how he wanted to approach this thing. If you listen to, the podcast that he had done and some of the media stuff that he had done in the off season before he even was looking for jobs. Actually, I guess it wasn't the off season. I guess it was last basketball season. And he talked about how he felt like the ideal way to play was with a smaller bench and really work on getting your core group of players better over the course of the year and developing them as much as, you know, they're getting more out of a couple of those guys like Desmond Claude and Jerome Hunter now. I think his emphasis on playing those guys and only those guys earlier in the year, not going deeper into the bench and making sure you're playing the ninth and 10th and 11th guy earlier and more minutes during some of those bye games or what have you. I think that matters now because you've now gotten Desmond Claude and Jerome Hunter to the point that they're at to where they are significant contributors when you need them most. And had you been splitting some more of those minutes up earlier in the year and it was like Desmond Claude, Kiki Tandy, Cam Kraft, different nights all sharing those minutes. Maybe Desmond Claude isn't the player that he is right now. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I want to give a shout out to, to one individual in particular tonight. And, and I did at halftime and I wondered if he could, if he could possibly expend 
that same amount of energy for another 20 minutes and and he mostly did is Adam Kunkel on defense. I, I mean, I'll, I'll take other people's comments, but just from what I've observed this season, that's the best. That's the best defensive effort that Adam Kunkel has put in this season under difficult circumstances against guy that's difficult to guard. And I mean, he ran his ass off in the first half. He was, he was absolute glue. And here's a guy that likes to get involved in offense. He likes to hit the threes. He likes to get to the rim tonight. He was, he was just a defensive beast tonight. And he deserves he deserves a lot of credit for the win. And everyone collectively played good defense. But watching that game, Adam Kunkel just really stood out for me, especially for in the in the first half. Well, and I think the biggest thing there is that's not what he's been known for. That's been a deficiency of his. That's yeah. a, an area of yeah. his game that he's always needed to improve and that lagged behind. And everyone questioned whether or not he would be able to cut it at the Big East level on the defensive end. And he's had his struggles. There's no doubt about it. There are some matchups that are just going to be tough for him, but you bring up a really good point in this game. He was fantastic defensively and Trey Alexander. I don't know that he's going to play in the NBA, but he has some NBA qualities to him in terms of his length, his shot making ability. I mean, that's a tough guard for a guy like Adam Kunkel and he did a really good job. And it hasn't just been this game either uh, Jeff he's he's played really well down the stretch I mean there, it's you know there's been a, a game or two that you could call out where maybe he wasn't great defensively but on the whole over the last I'd say probably seven eight games he's been pretty good he's definitely taken his defense to another level yeah yeah all right anything else there Jeff no I'm good well thank you for your call I appreciate hearing from you and uh, enjoy tomorrow night's championship game all right we're going to move on to, uh, well, more 5150 waiting for a while. I was going to get to him next, but uh, I see he's dropped out. So more 5150 if you're out there somewhere and you want to request back in, uh, I'll take your call as soon as you jump in. But uh, right now we're going to go to Jerome Hunter Fan Club. What did you think about Doug saying Jerome was the unsung MVP tonight? I didn't. I was in an Uber. Sorry, I didn't hear that. God. Well, yeah, Doug, Doug was on here earlier and um, – he said, shout out to you, and he thought that your boy Jerome Hunter was the unsung hero of tonight's game. I, You know what? I, I, I appreciate the love. I appreciate it, but I, I would to give the unsung hero award to Jack Nungy, the boy who's been getting a lot of hate online in the message boards. I see you old heads. He, he played lights out tonight. I mean, he bled blood for this team. Who else would put their line on for this team? Who else would put their life on the line for this team? Who? Well, I would assume your boy Jerome Hunter probably would. Well, I would assume too, but we don't have to answer that. I mean, that's a given. Like, why? That's true. Why waste? Why waste the oxygen answering a question? Answer we already all know, right? That's a good point. No, that's a good point. I mean, Jack Nungy, the people being critical of Jack Nungy make absolutely zero sense to me after the last two games. He was fantastic last night, and he was fantastic again tonight. What is there to complain about with Jack Nungy? And I'm not saying that to you because you're right. There were people oddly complaining about Jack on the message board last night, but I mean, that's just nonsense like like you know yeah does he get tired like probably but does that affect like his play of the game like i don't think so like i get tired going up a flight of stairs but you bet my ass i can still go up three more yeah am i gonna breathe a little heavy yeah probably (laughs) i'm fat okay but like 
Y'all need to stop hating on him, goddammit, because this kid's balling out. Jerome, what, what do you weigh? Oh, I'm, I'm maybe 160. All right. I've never seen I, you. I was just curious. I like I, you didn't have a fat voice, as a cat would say. No, that, well, that's why I'm laughing to myself because I'm like, why did I just call myself fat? But you know, sometimes you got to exaggerate to get the point across for these old heads. I, you're a performer, and that's what I appreciate about you. You put on a show. You understand that this is a show. But I just had to know because I mean, I. You know, I've never seen you before, and you just didn't sound like you had the characteristics of a fat voice. Well, well, thank you very much. I appreciate the compliment. If it, you know, while it might be worded differently than a compliment, I'll accept it. You know, and hey, like I've learned, I've heard these spaces are tryouts for Mo Egger, and you know that clown of a show needs a little bit of a performance. So, easy, hey. easy. Hold sorry, on, sorry, don't talk about my guy Mo like that. Sorry, 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 sorry. You, you can't just lay one out for me like that, Rick. Okay, I'm, I'm about to snatch on that. I would, I would I, argue that's probably a stray. I don't think Mo was in the conversation, but go off, King. No, no, I know, but this is Jerome Hunter fan club. If you haven't noticed, we go for the extremes. I, I will say though, if you let me get one point across, that I haven't had a game in which like we're probably like what almost an hour after the end of the game, right? Yeah, I, I can't stop smiling, and like I've like, and I'm a pretty positive guy, right? I love Jerome Hunter. I can't get more positive than that. But when you asked the comment earlier about, like, is this the best performance of the game? Like, the fact that I can't just stop smiling and, like, the fact the entire second half, I didn't worry. I don't think my heart rate went above, like, 90 beats per minute. Well, how what? about them handling those first few minutes of the second half the way they did? I, 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 was, I was watching the game. I was like, well, you know what? All that's going to come down to is how we handle these minutes. Because, obviously, we saw during the UConn game, I believe the Marquette game, we had a pretty sizable lead. And obviously, we beat UConn, but we lost to Marquette. But it was like, I was like, it all comes down to basically how much of the lead are we going to give them coming out of the second half? And Zooey Mama, we didn't even give up the lead. It was incredible. Well, it was just a dominant performance from start to finish. Multiple people have said it, and I agree. That was the best performance of the year for Xavier. And, and I loved your comment that you made in the previous call about how, you know, Sean Miller wanted a short bench. And when I've had all these national media people come out there and be like, well, without Fremantle this, without Fremantle that, we got a short bench. You got a short bench. These kids are going to get tired. I was like, brothers, this was all part of the game plan. Yeah. This is what he wants. Like, like put me in a position where I want to be brother. We're in the gorilla position. We're ready to go. (laughs) Now losing talented players doesn't help. I mean, losing a talent. No, no, no. no. Yeah. yeah. Obviously what I, what I want Fremantle. Yeah. But like, I'm tired of these people acting as if it's a, like a foregone conclusion. Like, we got the Messiah at the helm of this ship, brother, and we're going to find the new world. Jerome, with that, I will let you go. Appreciate your call. Thank you so much, Rick. Let's go f- them up tomorrow. Or today, technically. That was very CapEx of him to sign off that way. All right, let's go to more 5150. More, what's going on? Hello, Rick. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> I am kind of in shock, really, by what I just saw. Um, I saw Paul uh, re or post a tweet tonight from a maybe a text thread from a buddy of his named uh, Kirby Hoops. Who, if nobody out there follows Kirby Hoops, you should. He's great. Uh, it's a great. It's a great follow. But um, Kirby said that he saw three options for this evening. 
Uh, one was going to be a close win for X. One was going to be a close win for Creighton. And one was going to be a blowout by Creighton. <laughs> and uh, none of those three happened. And I was with, I was in his, uh, in the same corner with him. I just, I, I just couldn't see this happening. And watching that game was almost like, what, what is happening in this game? And so there were a couple things that I thought were were reasons why it happened. Um, and I'm gonna I'm actually gonna take credit because of my comments that I made last night about Sule Boom and his just horrific defense. Because I think he heard me and just like Sean Miller did to Colby yesterday at halftime, I think, you know, he said, you know what, we'll show you. And he went out and he played what I thought was his best defensive game of the year. I have to think every single person in Xavier Nation was watching that game thinking the same thing. Like, this is all because of more 51-50. No doubt about it. Uh, I, I mean, I'll be happy to take the credit for it. So so that's that's point number one. Point number two is uh, I, I got some grief after I had the phone call with you last Why? night. Why? Why would anyone give you grief? Um, oh, Oh, about the comments I made about Colby. I, you know, I, I got these friends of mine, and they're listening tonight. I know they're out there. Clowns. I see Sounds them on like here. I, oh man, uh, that I'm not going to say that about them. Oh, uh, we like these guys. But anyway, oh, I, I do. Okay. I, I, I love, I love these ladies. Two ladies. So I'm not going. Oh, jeez, you could have told me that. that. Now I'm sexist. Sorry about that, Rick. Now, yeah, right, Rick. Great. Sorry, man. I, I threw you under the bus. Threw you under the bus. But um. They were. Uh, they said, you know, that I was. I I went too far by saying that Kobe sucked uh, during uh, halves of games. So I think again, he he had tonight a complete game. Uh, he played well both halves, very well. I thought that he played uh, pretty good defense for most of the game. Uh, his his decision making on offense has been so on point uh, over the last couple of weeks it makes me sad that we're probably not going to see him uh, after our tournament run uh in his Xavier uniform but man has it been sweet to watch yeah I mean I, I don't the Colby was as good as you can possibly be last night so I'm not sure why anyone was uh upset with you from last night but yeah he was he I mean he has taken his game to another level I think we we talked about that a lot following the DePaul game and uh he was he was good again tonight there's no doubt about it more I'm gonna uh Oh, so, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. If you need to go to another call, Rick, thanks again for doing all this. Uh, it's all good. And uh, you know what? We'll see what happens. Yeah, tomorrow. I'm going to go back to uh, Paul Fritchner here real quick. He is calling back in. Hopefully he is uh, safe. Paul, how are you? Hey, sorry. I walked through a dead zone. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm good. I don't know where I cut off, but I, I think the – The whole time. The whole time, really. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. well, all right. Yeah, I, I rambled for a while until I realized you uh, – you weren't, nobody was hearing anything and I shut up. Uh, yeah, I, I just, it was a wild scene because, I mean, for anybody that's listening that was there, it was just, I mean, the, the Xavier crowd was, was great and it had kind of emptied out from all the UConn people that had left after the loss. And it was just, it was surreal because as soon as, I mean, as soon as they took the lead, they, they never gave it back up. And it was, it was dominant. The defense was, I mean, you could tell, and the thing that I thought maybe was most interesting was sitting next to, I don't know, probably 50 feet away from the Xavier bench and sitting next to the bench the entire time and seeing 
um, how aggressive the coaches were in, in appreciating the defensive effort and, you know, calling guys over to spots. They get there in the right time and, and closing out on shooters, everything. It just, I mean, it just felt like such a dominant performance. Yeah, I mean, how could the coaches not just be absolutely thrilled with the effort on defense? There was not yeah. – I, I can't think of a single stretch where it felt like Xavier let down. There was, a, you know, maybe a, a few possessions there later in the second half, I want to say sometime after the 10-minute mark, where they started trading baskets back and forth, both teams. But that was pretty brief in itself, and I didn't really think, like, Xavier had quit defensively or anything. The effort really was off the charts the entire night. No, yeah, and even by that point, it was really, I mean, you know, I, I know for, for Xavier fans that are listening, you're thinking, oh, you know, it's not over till the final buzzer or whatever it might be. But, again, I go back to, like, what I tweeted earlier tonight. If, if you're a neutral fan just watching this game, if you're a fan of UConn that's sitting there in the stands just enjoying this basketball game, it was, uh, it was, ne- it was never really a game. I mean, they were up by double digits almost the whole game. Well, and I, imagine I, being a Creighton fan who made that trip. And there were a lot of them. There were a lot, Rick. The place was, I mean, all week, all week, you walk around all over the concourses everywhere. Creighton traveled. Creighton, I don't want to say they traveled the best of all the teams as far as, like, the Midwest teams go, but they might have. They they packed it. And, uh, you know, it's just, it was kind of, it was surreal. It really was. It, it All of a sudden, you got to half, and you're thinking, all right, you know, I went down, uh, I was down kind of, uh, behind the Xavier bench after the first half, and I ran into a couple of the guys around a team, and not players, just some of the guys around a team, and they said, uh, you know, well, well, we'll see what happens here to start the second half, and that was the thought everybody had. And They came out, they didn't take a punch or anything, and just kept it rolling. It was never close. Yeah, and that's the hardest thing. It's, it's one thing to lose in the semifinals of the Big East Tournament. You go there knowing that's a, a definite possibility. But to just never be in the game, to have to sit there for two hours and it's just basically watching your team get steamrolled the entire time, you don't have a, a chance at any point, that's got to be tough to swallow and, here. And then you, and you leave the gym so late that you know, the, you're not getting out there till back to the bars till almost midnight. They're drinking some sad beers right now. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you one thing. I don't know, Rick, if it was you that tweeted it or who it was, but somebody pointed out, I mean, Xavier didn't even shoot the ball that well from three. They, they made some, but it's not like this was a historic Xavier performance from three tonight. They just, they just kind of, they just, uh, I'm out of words, Rick. I don't know what to say. I don't know what Clearly. to say anymore. I, I tried. I tried so many different times. I had tweets in a draft. I didn't know what to say. It was just, it kind of left me speechless. I couldn't believe, uh, I don't know. I, I think, uh, you know, I, I posted that, tw- that tweet from, uh, from Nick Kirby and he and I were talking about it before the game and we saw. You know, the game could have gone four ways, and we saw it happen in maybe three ways, and it was that fourth way. Is Xavier below? I don't think anybody would have expected it, but, boy, it happened. And now you go now you go play to Marquette tomorrow that, quite honestly, probably should have beaten twice. And, uh, you know, I have to think that's a pretty good matchup for Xavier, don't you, Rick? Yeah, well, I mean, think about the two Marquette games. The first one at Xavier was really exciting, really good game, the one that Xavier won. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the other game at Marquette, Xavier had a big lead going into the second half of that game. Yeah. And then that was another one of those second-half collapses where they let the other team back in it, and they really just couldn't get a defensive rebound, if you remember in that game, which was kind of weird. But 
I, I mean, in terms of matchups and, you know, thinking about whether or not Xavier has a chance tomorrow, I mean, obviously, if you play the way you did tonight against Creighton, you got a chance tomorrow. But, yeah, when you think about the way those first two games went, you got to feel pretty good about Xavier's chances tomorrow. And then that gets into the question, Paul, because I know you are obsessed with this stuff and you're a nerd about it like uh, I am and Doug is, who I talked to earlier, and you, you, you really dive into all this stuff. Where do you think Xavier is at in terms of the S-curve right now? Because, I mean, I went into this feeling like Xavier was about as locked into the four seed as they could be, but the way things have broken down the last two days, not just from a Xavier standpoint where they've done everything they could possibly do to not only help their resume, but also the subjective eye test with what they did tonight. And you look at some of the teams around them, like uh, a Kansas State, and a UConn and a Tennessee who all lost. And now you have the opportunity to beat Marquette head-to-head for a Big East tournament championship, which maybe helps you from the standpoint of Marquette had the regular season championship, and that's a clear reason to have them ahead of you. Do you think that we could be talking about Xavier as a three seed now on Selection Sunday, potentially? I think it's absolutely on the table. I'm glad you brought it up, and I only got a couple more seconds here before I got to go. But I, I do uh, – I'm glad you brought it up because I spent <laughs> – you're right. I spent a while kind of going through it and and trying to think it through today. And where I landed was if you beat Creighton and you beat Marquette to win a Big East championship, and it's just like what you said, some of those things break your way, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility at all that Xavier's that final three seed. I do think it's it's probably out of the question that they end up in Columbus. I, I just think that it'd be tough to leap Marquette, which is what's probably holding you back from being in Columbus. Um, but if you, especially if they do it like they did tonight, if they go out and win tomorrow by 15, I, I, I I'm not going to sit here and say anything's off the table. Now, if it's a, if, if it's a close game either way, win or lose, I, I still think the winning, winning the Big East title and the way that they would do it with a, a win over Creighton, a dominant win over Creighton, and then a win over uh, Marquette, I mean, that, that's got to say something because that's what, five, six wins in a row to end the season? And again, doing it in impressive fashion tonight. The eye test of tonight is such a big factor in my opinion. And to be clear, I'm big on the fact that I do not think the selection committee cares much about conference tournaments. No, no. I, I think, think people overrate the amount of change that can come out of these things for the most part. I don't think they care much at all. But what I, I, I and I'm, full, I'm fully with you on that. What I think this also might do, Rick, is give the selection committee even that much more confidence of what Xavier can do without Zach Fremantle. That's exactly, that's what I was just going to say, Paul, is while that is the case, and I fully believe that, you also have to look at it from the standpoint that Xavier has done absolutely everything they possibly could at this point, especially if they beat Marquette tomorrow, to pass whatever subjective criteria there might be from the selection committee. Any eye test or anything like that tonight went a long way in that regard, and, and obviously tomorrow would if you, you could pull that off as well. Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to get out of here. I do want to say that if anybody that is listening is in the New York City area, Marquette traveled exceptionally well to this tournament, maybe better than Creighton. Uh, they traveled really well. Not to take anything away from Xavier. Xavier had a, had a great crowd tonight, but I know that Marquette, uh, they, have, they really packed it in. If anybody's on the fence, if anybody's sitting there thinking about it, if anybody's in the area, there's nothing like Saturday night in the garden and to, uh, to have Xavier – there and experiencing that in Sean Miller's first year back. I mean, I'll do my little PR pitch there. Don't uh, 
don't pass it up if you have the opportunity. It's special. It's a, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and if you can get there, then, then do it. And, Rick, I'll leave you with that, and we'll see what happens tomorrow. We'll see what you and I are talking about this time tomorrow. All right. Thanks, Paul. That is uh, Xavier's director of marketing, Paul Fritchner, selling tickets and doing what he does. Man, that guy just loves some life. Uh, we're going to get to Kevin Crawford. As we wait for a while. Kevin, can you believe what you watched tonight? Oh, that was fantastic, Rick. It was, uh, we're here with my son and I sitting at the game and He's listening to this show. I've never done one of these Twitter spaces things before, so uh, I couldn't believe how uh, the team looked, and there was no lapses. I haven't seen a game the whole year where they just, from start to finish. Yeah, I thought that was really the most impressive part of it, is you just kept waiting for that storm that they were going to have to weather. It's like, it's coming. Creighton is going to put it on you at some point, and they can score in bunches. They can get stops on defense, so it's coming. Will Xavier be able to withstand that? And, I mean, every single time it looked like Creighton was going to gain just a little bit of momentum, Xavier slammed the door right back shut on him and had an answer. Yeah, one thing I thought was interesting was that their hallmark this season, one of them's been sharing the ball and assists, and they only had 11 assists tonight. So I looked up, I saw 82 points, and uh, it was just a different dimension. Uh, So I'm not quite sure how they got all those points when they were playing maybe a different brand of basketball. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I think part of that was because you had Kalkbrenner guarding Jerome Hunter and sagging off so much into the lane that what Xavier ended up doing is going into like a lot of dribble handoffs using Jerome Hunter and using Jerome Hunter as a screener to where then it's like Sule Boom coming off the screen or coming off the dribble handoff and dribbling right into his shot because – there was no help defender with Kalkbrenner sagged so far down. It was kind of similar. Uh, Paul and I were, or Doug and I were talking about this earlier. It was kind of similar to last night, the way Xavier was struggling with Umoja Gibson from DePaul because of their drop coverage with Nunji sagged so far back into the lane. And Gibson was just dribbling into jumpers. I think you saw a little bit of the same thing from Sule Boom and Xavier tonight. Obviously, Boom finishes with 23 points and, and five threes. Absolutely. I'm trying to get my son here. He's. He said he's going to try to speak up for a second here. So, Lincoln, you want to talk to – this is uh, the radio show here. You want to say, ask him any questions? What do you think, Lincoln? I think it, that it's a good win, and no one expected them to win by 22 points after they lost by 17 on the road against them last time. Exactly. I mean, that has been the sentiment all night. I don't know how long you guys have been tuned in here, but I think everybody that called in has just been basically either giddy or absolutely shell-shocked by this result. I don't don't think anybody expected this type of performance by Xavier. I think people thought they could win, but to win by 22 and blow Creighton out in a game where they never even had a chance, I I just don't think anybody expected that. Yeah. After they got a 14-point lead in the first half, it was never close again. Quinn never had a chance. No doubt. No doubt. Well, thanks, Rick. It was great chatting. Congratulations uh, to the team, and look forward to watching them bring home the championship tomorrow. All right. Well, Kevin, you guys enjoy it. I I know you'll be there rooting them on, so have a good time the rest of the night celebrating this one and uh, enjoy championship Saturday. Absolutely. Let's go X. All right. Let's uh, go to LRQ. What do you got for me? I was in the student section, and I actually went up to go shoot that free, those free throws for that competition, and I missed the 
first eight minutes of the second half. And I came back and I was like, we still have this lead. Like, I mean, I don't know if it's our defense or what that stepped up because, I mean, if you look at that game last night, I mean, I know how well Paul was shooting, but what do you have to say about, like, how we held him to 60 points? Like, that's, like, unheard Yeah, of. it is. I think, I think it was a couple of things. One, the defensive effort was just off the charts. There was just never that stretch where they they weren't playing hard or they had a letdown or they weren't locked into their assignments. Uh, Sean Miller said after the game that he was just really happy with how ready his team was to play. And I think those are all the types of things that go into that all-encompassing coach term of being ready to play. It's all about those types of things, Uh, understanding the game plan, executing the scouting report and, and adhering to it playing with great intensity, not taking any plays off, all of those types of things Xavier did. But then also, I mean, I think to some extent, as much as Creighton is really good and and a difficult matchup, the one thing is Ryan Nemhard physically seems like a guy that Sule Boom can handle a little bit better. And I think that was part of what you saw tonight. Xavier did a good job against ball screens. There were some times where they were like kind of switching them late, I think using what they call a veer switch back there on the screens where it's like you look like you're just using a normal drop coverage. And then if you can't recover to your man, you go ahead and you switch at the last second. I think they had some success with that. Uh, But yeah, overall it was just an outstanding performance. And I'm not sure if you even asked this coaching staff, if they could explain why they were so much better tonight than they've been on other nights. And, And part of it too is Creighton helped them out a little bit, you know, 13 turnovers, 11 in the first half. That's a bit of a gift from a team like Creighton. I just was shocked because I came out of that tunnel before the free throws. Well, well here's the thing. No offense, but you're kind of you're kind of burying the lead here. How did you do on the free throw shooting competition? Oh, not good. I made the first two. Is that a thing like you, you signed up to do, or did they just come into the student section and say you're going to be doing it? It was. Oh, I it was a raffle and I won, and the woman beat me quite easily, and then unfortunately. Couldn't even make it to the basket. Would you basket. say you were embarrassed by your performance, or do you feel like you equipped yourself well and they just didn't go in? Um, I mean, I was hitting the rim every time, but <laughs> it was not. Well, are you? Or would you say you're like a, a a baller? Like, do you normally shoot basketball? Have you played in the past? I'm a great shooter from three, but I'm terrible. Interesting. At Don't see that a lot. Yeah. See, see, here's what I always wondered about that. A lot of times, you will see these kids go out from the student section, and they will do these competitions and they look like they have never shot a ball in their entire life and they will air ball it or shoot off the top of the backboard and just have an overall embarrassing effort out there. And I always wonder like, how the hell do you become a part of a contest like that? If you know, you can't play at all. If you know, you're going to go out there and do something incredibly embarrassing. How do you ever get signed up for something like that? So I'm glad you're able to clear that up for me, like how that worked. They, they asked for people who, did not play back. Oh, really? So they want you to embarrass so yourself. They just said as long as you don't play high school basketball or play in some type of league or play college or play professionally, you're allowed to sign up. But I know probably a lot of – it had to be in the, within the past six years. So many people – Wow. I'm sure hadn't played high school basketball in the past six years, but still like – I would have expected it to be such a selective process. But I, I LRQ, I appreciate you clearing that up for me. It's uh, interesting. I've always wondered that because I feel a lot of incredibly embarrassing performances. Uh, let's get to Brendan. Brendan, what do you got? Yeah, I was 
going to just follow up on what Lincoln had to say, being surprised by the result tonight. Um, just watching this game, it kind of felt like when X blew out Florida State in 2017, like it was a 25-point win, Ooh. and I was never really comfortable with it until the final buzzer because it was the NCAA tournament. Um, I've, like Even when Sule hit back-to-back threes in the first half to go up by 14 points, I, I just kind of felt uncomfortable. I was like, yeah, the shots are falling, but maybe Creighton's going to find it too. And then, I mean, it, it set in when I think Xavier stretched it to about 18 uh, later in the second half and just consistently kept it at 18 or 20. But, I mean, it felt good to get it out of the way. Yeah, I guess that's a good question is when was that point for most fans where you just realized, like, this isn't changing. Creighton's not making a run here. This game is over. It. You're probably right. It was probably going into that under – probably after the 12 minute under 12 minute media timeout, that next segment when they played from the 12 to the under eight and they still had that lead fully intact, basically. I think that's when it kind of started to set in for me that this just isn't going to happen. Like Creighton isn't making a run here. Yeah. And I know they flashed a stat at some point about how Ryan Nemhart only had three points. And I remember there was uh, something from earlier in the year talking about how Creighton was, or just like mentioning their record when he had double digit points and versus when he had single digit points. And that was with like four minutes left. So it was like, okay, he's not getting seven more points in four minutes. That's, you know, that, that kind of really assured it for me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what do you think about tomorrow night's matchup? You know, if I'm talking about it in terms of sports books, I'd call it a pick em. Um, they've put up two very close games throughout the year. Um, I mean, you obviously have to shut down Kolek um, and just play as good defense as you did tonight. Um, but it's I, – I, John Fanta was saying um, – he said Miller told him after the DePaul loss last night that um, it, things kind of tighten up this time of year and you got to be prepared and you got to be ready for it. And they were obviously ready tonight. So I'm, it's, it's just all conditional if they can be – ready for it again tomorrow night. I like the chances. Pretty good call by yourself. Uh, just pulled up DraftKings Sportsbook right now. It looks like Marquette is a one-and-a-half point favorite tomorrow night. So, yeah, very slim margin there in terms of the spread. But I I do – because you were asking Reed about the what seed they would get. I think if they win tomorrow night, they'll probably have done enough to bump up to a three, uh, especially considering UConn lost today, uh, Missouri beat Tennessee – um, I think they'd really only need one other out-of-conference out of or other Power 6 result to swing their way in order to well, get Well, I mean, it. really look at these teams that are directly ahead of Xavier. If you look at Bracket Matrix tonight as we sit here right now, Xavier is the second four seed on the S-curve. UConn is the top four seed right above them. Then you have Tennessee, yeah. Kansas State, and Marquette. And I don't know that a win over Marquette tomorrow night necessarily has Xavier jumping Marquette. But if you're looking at that S-curve right now, Xavier only needs to jump up two spots if, if that's accurate to what the selection committee has. So Tennessee lost to Missouri. Kansas State lost yesterday. UConn lost today. TCU lost. I know they're not too high up in that conversation, but I know they've been playing better with Mike. Yeah, Lyons. they're a five seed. And they're, they're right now they're, you know, about six spots below Xavier. So I don't think that's really a concern. But, yeah, I mean, I think 
UConn, there was already an argument to be made that Xavier could be ahead of them, being that they beat them twice in the regular season. So I, I don't yeah. think it's hard to see Xavier being bumped up ahead of UConn after the way things went today. And then you add in yeah. Tennessee and Kansas State where, I mean, Tennessee's kind of been struggling here at the end of the year. And you, you start looking into some of those metrics. I mean, again, uh, the predictive metrics love Tennessee and these other teams, you know, Tennessee especially, they don't necessarily have the quad three loss that Xavier has. But, I mean, in terms of the eye test or anything subjective that you'd be looking for to give Xavier a little bump up after this weekend, I think they gave you that tonight. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Brendan, anything else? Yeah, one more quick thing. I, I don't know if LRQ is still on here, but if he wants to feel a little bit better about himself. Um, I, I was at the uh, Kentucky Girls Sweet 16 last night in Lexington, and uh, during or in between – the quarters i guess they do the same kind of free throw contest and um so they pull like a student from each of the schools that are playing and there was a girl on one end she was shooting at granny style and just going straight off the backboard every time so if lrq is still here just know there are people out here that are indeed worse free throw shooters oh there's no doubt about it i see it all the time and it clears it up for me now that he said they intentionally stack the deck against the people that are going to be participating, they want someone that stinks so we can all laugh at them. Cause I always wonder, it's like, how do these kids agree to participate in a contest where they know they're going to suck? It's bizarre. And even like when I was a student at Xavier, um, one of my cousins was there at the same time and uh, she got picked to do the half court shot. And granted, I think she was already just drunk by the time she was on the court. Um, she did it granny style and the ball didn't get more than like three or four feet off the ground. I respect that. I respect that. All right, Brennan, appreciate your call. All right. Thanks, Rick. All right, here's the deal. If you're listening to this content and you like what we're doing here and you want to maybe just support this, you don't even feel the need to get a premium membership for anything, you don't want to pay for content, but you just like this, you want to make sure it continues, consider signing up for musketeerreport.com and consider doing it right now because we have a 50% off sale going on. It's starting right now. I'll have a story up later to uh, publicize it, but if you want to go sign up right now, it's already live. You can get that 50% off. If you're someone who already subscribes to musketeerreport.com, first of all, thank you because it means a lot and it allows me to do this type of stuff and, and treat it like a real job for the time being. And second of all, I would ask you if you if you want to help support me a little bit more, something you can do is either leave a comment on the message board or tweet it out is even better. Giving me the reasons why you like your subscription to musketeerreport.com, why you feel it's worth it to you. I've done this in the past. I've gotten some really good comments from you guys and, and reasons for why you like it. And I can tell you without a doubt it has sold more subscriptions doing that than any link or clever advertising scheme or anything like that that I can come up with. So please, if you want to help out, go ahead and uh, throw that out there. I'm going to take D-Rings right now. D-Rings, unmute yourself. Gotcha. We're good, man. All right, what's going on? Hey, I'll make, I'll make this quick because I know you're on time thing now. Uh, first of all, I do think X will get a three-seed if they beat Marquette. Uh, I also think they played – uh, as good a game tonight as they played all year, and most of that was because of the defense. Uh, the only weak spot, I don't want to upset anybody here, but Jerome Hunter has no business shooting threes, 
And uh, you can't go up against the Big East Defensive Player of the Year and uh, and expect to score on him. Uh, Kalkbrenner's legit, and um, well, I mean, there was a few times. I, I agree I'm not with, sure he made the right decision. I agree I'm not with sure that. He made the right decision tonight. But that's the only weak link, though. That's the only thing that didn't go right tonight. I, I mean, I agree that you probably don't want Jerome shooting a lot of threes. Obviously, they've restricted him in that regard all year. But he had Kalkbrenner on him, which meant they were able to pull Kalkbrenner away from the rim a little bit when Jerome Hunter was doing some of those things. So, I mean, I, I actually think Jerome did a pretty good job on the offensive end of making some plays and helping Xavier function despite Kalkbrenner sagging off of him and not really guarding him straight up. Fair enough. I mean, schematically, that probably did help the team, you know, in their offensive uh, execution. But uh, there's just – I don't know. I felt like there was a couple times he had the top of the key and they were sagging off of him really hard. And he's got a pretty good 17, 15, 17-foot jumper, and he stroked a couple of them. Uh, and he had plenty of chances to hit him at other times, too. Again, I'm not hating on the but, man. I'm just saying that's the only thing tonight that didn't go the right way the whole game. Other than that, probably best game they played all year long. I think they'll wind up with a three seed. Coach Miller's a godsend. Uh, off topic a little bit. Do you think Pat Kelsey's going to be gone at Charleston to a, a power five school? I don't know. Did, uh, didn't he just sign a contract extension? Well, yeah, but that don't always mean anything. You yeah, know. I don't know what the terms of if that buyout. Out, I do not know any of those details. I just know that you, you win 30-some games. Uh, you're probably destined for the next step pretty soon. Yeah, I would think so. I would think he is going to be a hot name. Um, it does not sound like he is the, the guy destined for the Notre Dame job. So um, I think that's where a lot of people had him ending up. I, I don't know. I truly don't know what to expect with Pat Kelsey because we've seen it play out a, a few different times now where he's been up for jobs and then didn't end up going to a high major. So we'll see. And, and, and speaking of previous coaches and or coaches and whatnot, uh, Xavier has not lost a tournament game, uh postseason tournament game since Steele left. I don't know if everybody realizes that either. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yes, that is true. That's all. That's all I got, Rick. Thank you, man. I appreciate you hosting. All right, the show. appreciate you for uh, checking in. That was D Rings. All right, uh, I do see some of people. Well, gee, uh, we'll just go back to Jerome just for a second because I want to see what he has to say about that. Jerome, what do you got for us? I don't mean to interrupt. I just I got to get one sentence out there. Yeah, okay. I, you know, Jerome might not get the most points. You know, he doesn't get the most uses, doesn't get the most minutes, doesn't get the most stats, right? But that doesn't like what makes his game good. He goes out there and he does the small things. How many times did he seal off defenders tonight and let us just go straight in for a layup? Yeah, he's he's great at that. I mean, that's been a big part of Xavier's offense over the last several games is him just sealing somebody as a guard drives right past him and he becomes a big moving screen, essentially. Yeah, like I'm, and I'm not hating on any of the top players, but, you know, the people that are getting their names up there, the Sule's, the Colby's, you know, there's got to be someone helping them, and that's Jerome. He's doing the job that doesn't get the most thanks, and so that's why we have people here at the fan club propping the boy up. That's all I got to say. Well, and thank you for, for checking back in and doing that. But I, I would also add, like, you know, D-Rings at first is complaining about Hunter taking two threes, and then he's complaining that he wasn't taking open jumpers from the mid-range, which is the most inefficient shot in basketball. And, like, my argument would be to that – Sule Boom took 17 shots. Colby Jones took 13 shots. 
Jack Nungy took 13 shots. Those were the three highest shot attempts on the team. That's what you want. You don't – that is the reason you don't want Jerome Hunter taking those threes probably. In this case, I think they were strategic. But you don't want him taking more wide-open jumps from the mid-range. You want him getting involved in dribble handoffs and doing other things because if he's taking some shots, that's taking shots away from Colby Jones, Jack Nungy, and Sule Boom. And those are the main guys you want shooting. But no one else is requested right now, so I think that's a good place to leave it. Again, if you – are not signed up to musketeerreport.com right now. Please check it out. We have a 50% off sale going on right now. And if you are signed up for musketeerreport.com, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thanks for checking this out. And if you wouldn't mind sharing the word with other people, maybe send out a tweet saying why you like Musketeer Report, and I'll be sure to retweet that, and it'll really help me out. So thank you all for tuning in. Enjoy this win. What a win it was. Totally unexpected to see Xavier absolutely dominate Creighton like that for 40 minutes. The final score, 82 to 60, in the semifinals of the Big East tournament for Madison Square Garden. Xavier will be playing for a Big East championship tomorrow night. Thanks, everyone.